preacher, you might want to go inside on this. I might have to take care of it. Amen. I said, yeah, I got a squeezy stomach. I can't see nothing, nobody getting hurt. All right. So I went back inside, but they got it rearranged and everything working fine. So I thank God for that. They're planning on putting the others up tomorrow uh, uh, when the concrete cures over tonight. And then they're going to bring in the boom truck on Monday and put the, the beams going across on Monday. And uh, so we should, we should be doing real well at the end of next week. Aren't y'all glad? Isn't that exciting? Amen. I tell you what's even more exciting is when you're standing out there watching them work and everybody's going by, they'll just about break their neck to see what's happening. Amen. It's always exciting to see something happening. If you'll stand to your feet real quickly, turn with me. If you have your Bibles already open to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, we're going to read just a couple verses and then start tonight. Uh, to everything there is a, what's that word? A season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. Now read verse 4 with me. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy. Uh, God help me. You know this ain't my thing. This is not my comfort zone. This is way outside of uh, uh, where I feel comfortable. And God, I pray that you'll help me, Lord. Help me help others, Lord. I know there's a lot in here. It's going through a lot of things, Lord. And I, I feel so weak and anemic to be able to help them. But Lord, I pray that you'll take what you have and what we have here tonight. And, and, and Lord, just meet our needs. You know every individual need. And I pray that you'll meet them tonight. Lord, we'll praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I really, really wish we had more people here tonight, but God knows who's here and God knows what we need. Uh, I, have, I have talked with some, uh, 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 some of our church members and, and, and dealing with uh, many different things. Uh, how many of y'all realize this year we have dealt with all kinds of difficulty this year? Uh, uh, expected uh, deaths, unexpected deaths, things that we didn't know was coming, things we did know was coming. Uh, and, and, you know, it really doesn't matter whether you know it's coming or not. It's never easy when it gets here. And, uh, and I just felt the need after talking with some uh, that we need to talk about grief a little bit. Grief. Uh, this is something I, I, don't, I don't hear much people talking about. Uh, 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 one reason is we don't, it, maybe if we ignore it, it'll go away, but that don't ever happen, does it? Uh, this is something that, that's universal. This is something that we all go through. Uh, if you haven't experienced it, you're going to experience it. Uh, uh, maybe you know somebody that is experiencing it, and, and maybe we can find something that's going to help us be what we need to be and help us encourage one another. The Bible says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, lifting one another, helping one another in this area. And let me just, just give you a little commercial right off the bat. I'm no expert in this subject. I, I've been studying and reading as hard as I could from... Uh, the first part of this week into now, and I'm going to keep studying. I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to keep trying to get help. I've made phone calls. I've, 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 I've uh, interviewed people and talked to people and, uh, and tried to get uh, their point of view, people that's gone through just devastating tragedies and, and how they're dealing with it and so forth and so on. And I'm going to start tonight. We may not even get through this outline tonight, but we're going to take this through the next few Wednesdays or however long God lets us, and uh, we're going to try to study this to help encourage one another. How many of y'all with me say amen? Now, how many of y'all love your preacher? Now, look, I need your prayer in this. This is not my thing. This is not uh, uh, where I have. But the more I study this, the more I say, man, this is good. This will help me. This will help them. This will help us. So y'all pray for me, and I'll pray for y'all, all right? Uh, grief is something that, that nobody likes, but everybody experiences. 
uh, we, we know that the Bible says in, in Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, there's a time for everything. Everybody's going to experience something sooner or later in their life. God knows that because of sin, everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to die. Unless, we know, unless the Lord tarries is coming, if, if, he, if he comes in the rapture, then we won't have that to worry about. But if that doesn't happen, we are all going to face it sooner or later in our own self or in the loved ones that we have. We're going to have to face this difficulty. Now, God gave us a mechanism uh, 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 of grief to be used in this process. And let's look at just a few things tonight. And, uh, and, and I, I promise you, uh, maybe you'll learn something, maybe something you already know. But in understanding it, it helps us a whole lot more to deal with it, all right? Number one, I want to see the recognition of grief. The recognition of grief. A, if you're writing this down, if you're taking notes, I want you to see this. I want you to see grief and its pain. Grief and its pain. Grief and its pain. Uh, in, in, the definition, in the definition of grief, uh, grief is an involuntary emotion that you experience when you lose something or someone, something or someone that is valuable to you. An involuntary emotion that you experience when you lose something or someone that is valuable to you. That should be printed right there in your notes. You say, why is it important that you know the word involuntary? Because some people experience grief and they feel guilt because of their grief. I was talking with uh, I was talking with Miss Melinda, uh, brother uh, Craig Edwards' daughter, this week, and, and and talking to her about her experience losing her son and, and that drowning accident and, and so forth and so on. And, and and people would come up to her and and, and offer and try. And, and let me say this too: we try, but we don't always do the right things. Amen. We don't always know what to say, and I'll, I'll address that in just a moment. But uh, she said if God gives her the ability, she's going to do her best to write a book. Christian, it's okay to grieve. She said that some would offer and, and, and talk to her and say uh, 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 she would give her feelings. She said on some days uh, it would be one thing, and another day if you catch her on the right day, she would tell you exactly how she feels. I'm not sleeping, haven't slept, ain't eating. Uh, things are terrible, things are going bad. And this is their response. They would say, well, that's just the devil. And, 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 and her response would be, no, it's not the devil, it's grief. It's an involuntary emotion. If it's involuntary, if it's involuntary, you didn't cause it, it's there. It, it, something that happens, it is not sin. Say that with me. Grief is not sin. Say that with me. Grief is not sin. Grief is not sin. It's an involuntary emotion that you experience when you lose something or someone that is valuable to you. Paul speaks about it in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. He said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not or grieve not, even as others which have no hope. He didn't say you were not going to grieve. He said he didn't want you grieving as those without hope. So grief is an emotion that's there. Grief and his emotion that we have. We see that in Genesis 37, verse 34 with Jacob. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. He said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. 
You can see many characters in the Bible that dealt with grief and experienced grief. Job, uh, Jacob, uh, we see David and many different, there was many different times with David as he experienced grief. With Jonathan, he experienced grief with the baby that died because of sin. Uh, He experienced grief when uh, Absalom, his son, was killed in battle there. Uh, Many times this grief-stricken saint of God would have this issue and this problem. We see the recognition of grief, grief and its pain. But then B, write this down. This is so important. This is so important. I want you to see grief and its process. Grief and its process. This really should fall under uh, the response to grief for those uh, who are going through it. Because, see, we're going to address two different areas. Uh, Those who are experiencing grief and what do we do. And those who are trying to help those that are in grief and what do we do in that area. But this should fall under that. Uh, Dr. Elizabeth uh, Kubler-Raw suggested a journey of grief, a cycle of grief, a journey of grief, one with many twists and turns. But it's important to understand that the grieving process is not some neat progression. In other words, we don't just go from one to the other. A person may repeat a stage or skip one and go right into the other. The first stage is panic and shock. Uh, 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 we just don't know what's going on. We're stunned. How could this happen? What, what has happened? Uh, uh, what, what's going on? There's panic and shock. Then the second stage is denial. Denial. This isn't really going to happen. I'm going to wake up and this is all going to be over. I'm going to wake up and this never really happened. They're going to walk right through the door, but, but it never happens. Denial. Then the se- third stage is anger. 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 Panic and shock. Then denial. Then anger. Pam, this, they gave an illustration in the book. I, I didn't have enough room to print it out, but maybe we'll do it next week. But uh, a, 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 a young lady who lost her husband, had the, ch- the children, four children, and lost her husband. And this is what she would say, how could God, how could God, how, how could he do this? She wasn't going to take it anymore, that it wasn't fair. What kind of God would take a father from four little kids? My dad, and, and the writer of this, this, this uh, counseling book, says, my grandmother Smith one day after the unexpected passing of my grandfather, couldn't get the car started, and she began banging on the steering wheel yelling, Floyd, how could you leave me with a car that won't start? You know I know nothing about cars. Anger. Emotion of anger. Not only that, then there's depression. Depression. You experience times of sorrow that drag on for months. One day you're restless. The next day you're apathetic. Don't care about anything or anybody. One day you think you're doing okay. The next you're overcome with loneliness. These are those, uh, uh, then there are those anniversaries that you go through the first year, the first Thanksgiving, the first Christmas, the first birthday, stirring up all those memories and don't think uh, uh, that the second anniversaries are any easier. You kind of prepare yourself for the first ones knowing that they'll be tough, but you're surprised at the second ones because you made it through them before and you thought the second time would be easier, but it really isn't. Depression. Now, the one thing you understand is you go back and forth. You go back and forth. Uh, you may go from one to the next and then back to another one, back from uh, depression back to anger or anger back to shock. Uh, Many different things go through, but it's a process that happens. It's a journey that happens in in this grief process. Then five that we hope to get to and we pray to get to and, and, and ask God to help us get to is acceptance and a return to life. But watch this. I want you to read the... the, the uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know how it looks on yours. Uh, the, the, the bold letters after acceptance and return to life. Read the bold letters to me. Say it again. But please understand 
if you're going through this, that they are known in even predictable stages of phases of this journey you must travel. Long and slow. One word that kept coming into my mind as I was studying this and looking at this, one word that kept coming to my mind is the word season. The word season. Nothing is going to get better overnight. And the one in the grief needs to understand that. And the one ministering to the grieving needs to understand that. Uh, uh, I, was, I was sitting on the phone and talking with Brother Craig for a while and uh, talking with Dr. Brown for a while in uh, uh, things that are just not understood. And, and, and one of, the, one of the, the craziest things is people think you can just get up and go right on with life. That doesn't happen. That's not a reality. It's a reality for those that are not in the grief, but it's not a reality for those that are experiencing the grief. And, and we see that it, grief is a process. Grief is painful, but there is a process to grief. Number two, number two, I really want to get to number three tonight, and I want to hurry, so uh, y'all bear with me. Reasons for grief. What causes grief? A, I want you to see the cause. The cause. Heartache causes grief. A broken heart. The loss of a loved one. This is the most obvious and common that we see throughout the Bible, see throughout history, and see throughout our own personal lives. The loss of a loved one. This is obviously the most common uh, cause of grief. Then the loss of possessions. The loss of possessions can cause grief. Just as those who take uh, try to take their own lives when the stock mar- market crashes or go into a hermit-like existence when their life savings is lost. I read, I read and, and, and studied where, where men would jump out of tall buildings when the stock market crashed because their life savings were gone. They didn't have any reason in their own minds. They didn't have any reason or hope to live. They thought everything was worthless. Everything was of naught. So they would take their own lives because of the grieving process of losing everything. Now, it's easy it's easy for one with a job to say everything's going to be all right, telling that to the one that ain't got one. Are y'all with me so far? The loss of health causes grief. We grieve when we hear about what the doctor has to say. The loss of health. Soldiers that lose a limb. Athletes who lose their careers due to injury. Uh, there's so many uh, soldiers that go into a deep depression when they lose a limb or they come back and they cannot function in society the way they functioned before. Not only that, but a loss of position. Many who do not uh, get the promotion that they were counting on or the job they had interviewed for and needed so badly go into a time of mourning and depression. Not only that, but a loss of relationship. This is one that's, that's lost in the, in the shuffle of, of life many times, a loss of relationships. Counselors, counselors often say that a divorce is tougher to live with than death. They live with the ever-present loss of partnership, the loss of companionship, and the unfulfilled expectations. Many times, so many that's gone through divorce, you know the devastating pain and the destruction that happens in that. It's not just death. I don't want to just talk about death tonight and people grieving over death. I'm talking about grieving over mistakes that we have made, grieving over relationships that are lost, grieving over things that happen in our life that cuts us to the core and we just feel like everything's lost. That's the cause of grief. Listen, then we see the conclusion. Not only is the cause heartache, but the conclusion is healing. I know you can't understand that. Conclusion is healing. Ecclesiastes 3. Ecclesiastes 3. It says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to 
Stay with me. A time to, and a time to laugh. Verse 4. A time to mourn, and a time to, there's two different scenarios here. All throughout those verses, we see two different scenarios. In, in, in one side, in one side, we see one area of life that we experience. And then on the other side, we see another opposite end of that same experience. What is that? God is saying there's got to be balance in life. We're going to have both of those emotions. God has given us these as a healing mechanism. How many of y'all have experienced something difficult in your life? How many of y'all have experienced something very difficult in your life? You, whatever it may be. And then you, all you could do was cry and you cried and you cried and you cried and you were broke down and you cried and you, and, and you were just all to pieces. And then, and then after it was just... And then you felt better. God has given us tears. God has given us these emotions. These are, uh, listen, these are things that God has given. Why? Because he knew when man sinned in the garden, we were going to face this. He knew when man sinned in the garden, for the wages of sin is death. Uh, Listen, destruction, devastation, depression, discouragement, despair, disease, all these things, all the difficulties. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. God said that we would have difficulty on this earth from the day we are born to the day we die. And God knew we needed something that was going to help us face these areas of life. And grief, whether you know it or not, whether you realize it or not, whether you like it or not, grief is a healing mechanism to help you deal with the loss that you've experienced. The reason for grief, we see the cause and then the conclusion. And number three, number three, I'm going to share this with you. The response to grief. This is, this is really where we need to talk about uh, and, and, and focus on because there's two areas that we need to talk about. The one in the grief and the one doing what they can to help the person in the grief. Sometimes I kind of feel like Job's friends. I want to help, but I say all the wrong things. I was reading Job today and, and, and uh, I, I should have brought it out. I, I printed off probably 15 verses uh, and, and, and most of the time when you, when you read Job, uh, you, 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 remember, uh, uh, you remember Job saying, uh, uh, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, what a man. That's what we remember, don't we? We remember uh, Job uh, rebuking his wife when his wife said, Just curse God and die. Uh, and he said, Woman, you speak as a foolish woman speaketh and and, and all this he tried. And we, we remember all that. But you know, as I begin to read all through the book of Job, in the very beginning, everything, he, re, he responded right. I'm not taking that away. But there were times in Job's life where he said, I can't sleep. My body feels like it's breaking all to pieces. I'm crying out to God and he's not there. I don't know where God is. I need, uh, Brother O'Neill, will you go look on my, I need to read this. God's telling me I need to read this. Uh, it should be on my desk. It should have a list of Proverbs. A uh, 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 list of verses that say Proverbs on that, if you'll get that for me. But we see uh, Job's friends come. Job's friends come, and, and, and they begin to rebuke Job. They begin to uh, 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 do their best of, of trying to fix things, trying to fix things. How many of y'all know we have that problem sometimes, trying to fix things? Uh, but anyhow, I'll get to that in just a minute. I want you to see this. Hey, where are we at? We're number three. All right, A, write this down. 
We see the response of the minister. Write that down. The response of the minister. Bob Russell was a preacher in Louisville. Uh, he took a survey of those who had uh, gone through the grieving process. And they gave ten practical suggestions. A lot of these, uh, Miss Melinda told me on the phone when she was going through it, and, and uh, they, they coincide there together so nicely. That's it. That's it right there. Now listen. Now listen. This is what, this is what uh, most of us don't think about with Job. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about when, when Job said, uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. How many of y'all raise your hand and recognize Job saying that? And we say, what a man. He has the patience of... And that's what we think about. But have you ever thought about this? Listen to this. Job chapter 3 verse 1 says, After this Job opened his mouth and cursed his day. Job spake and said, Let the day perish when I was born, and the night in which it was said, There is a man child conceived. Let that day be darkness, and let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Did you ever think about Job would say, Job 6 verse 8, Oh, that I might have my request that God would grant me the thing that I long for, even that it would please God to destroy me, that he would loose his hand and cut me off. Miss Melinda told me to this day she still fights off tendencies to pray that God would take her home to heaven. God's still healing her. God's still ministering her. She's out speaking, and I'm going to have her come and speak to our church and, 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 and share her testimony and, and Sawyer's hope and what they started. But she says, even to this day, I still struggle with that. Job saying, I wish God would just take me home. Job 7, verse 4, when I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be gone? I am full of tossing to and fro into the day of dawning. I, you know what he's saying? I can't sleep. I lay down, but I can't sleep. My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Job 7, verse 11. He said, Therefore I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I complain in the bitterness of my soul. Listen, Job 23, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, Even to this day my complaint is bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. You know what he's saying? Oh, if I could just find God, I can't find him anywhere. Boy, if I could find him, i got some things I want to tell him. Now, do you recognize Job in that statement? See, Job was experiencing grief. Job was experiencing what we do. Sometimes we know this part, but we don't know the other part. Job said, i got some questions I need to ask him. Listen, Job 23, verse 8. Behold, I go forward. He ain't there. I go backward and I can't perceive him. I can't find him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. I go to where he's supposed to be. That could be church, couldn't it? I go to where he's supposed to be and he hideth himself on the right hand and I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he... Hallelujah. He says, when I don't know where he is, I know he knows where I am. He knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Listen, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. And I, 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 I'm more than anybody. I'm more than anybody. Uh, we've got to be careful how we respond to those that are grieving. Let's, let me share just a, these ten things real quickly, uh, and I, I'll go fast. I'll go fast. Number one, 
When you're trying to encourage someone that's grieving, whatever loss it may be, it may be a divorce, it may be a death in the family, it may be a tragedy that they're facing and going to, whatever it is. Number one, they said, don't avoid the person who mourns. Don't avoid them. We worry sometimes about, I don't know what to say. I'll feel so awkward. The worst thing that we can do when someone is grieving is to do nothing. Don't avoid them. Number two, don't think you have to say the right thing. How many of y'all are right there and, and have, understand what that means? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Don't think you have to know what to say. These, these people said consistently, those that were grieving, they said that the person who helped the most was the close friend who just was there, sitting next to them or close by them, just listening. And then it, the poem is given, When trouble comes, your soul to try. You love the friend who just stands by. It helps someone to pull you through, although there's nothing they can do. But just to have a friend who simply endures until the end gives a heart the fervent cry, God bless the friend who just stands by. Number three, don't treat the survivor any differently. For example, if you would have invited the couple to the party, then invite the widow or widower to the party. Invite the other person to the party. Invite, stay the same. Stay the same. Number four, do understand do understand that the grieving process takes a long time. What's the next two words? Say it again. Say it again. Don't think it's necessary to bring it up every time you're with them. Don't think it's necessary to bring it up every time you're with them. Don't say, how are you doing? How are you really doing? I think from the people that I've talked to and the people I've interviewed, that was number one. They didn't want to go out in public because they was always afraid every time they'd see somebody they know, they're going to bring up the situation. They're going to talk about the situation. Uh, learn, learn to talk about the bears. Learn to talk about the World Series. Learn to talk about church service. Learn to talk about other things. There's 50 trillion other things that can be brought up unless they want to talk about it. If they want to talk about it, fine. Let's talk about it. But if not, don't bring it up. Let them bring it up. Talk about something else. They're trying their best to go on with life normally, and sometimes that's hard to do when it keeps being brought up. Amen? Y'all still with me? Stay with me. Uh, Do, we're talking about do's and don'ts. Don't think it's necessary to bring it up every time you see them. Number, Number six. Do expect their emotions to fluctuate. Do expect their emotions to fluctuate. What's that mean? That means you may see them one day, and they may be mad. They may, ten minutes later, they may be glad. Uh, ten minutes later, they may be sad. Are y'all with me? Allow that to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, things fluctuate. The survivor is not always going to feel bad. Let them be happy. Let them be sad. Maybe all in a matter of moments. I think that's the hardest thing for me to deal with. I, I'm, I'm so used to wanting things to be in such a, whatever you are, that's what I want you to be, If whatever it is. I mean, I, I'd rather you be that. I, I, I love preachers who are the same out there as they are up here. That's, that's, I love people like that. I don't want them to be any different. I want, whatever you are, that's what you are. That's what I want you to be. And, 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 and because uh, it, it just freaks me out when I go to see and I'm expecting you to be one thing and you're that other person. I don't know which person you are that day. Amen. Are y'all with me? And I need to know what you are so I know how to respond to you to protect me. But then when somebody's grieving, all oh, that's out the window. 
You got to be willing and ready to accept whatever emotion is there. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. I'm not preaching to anybody because I'm learning just like you are. Half of this stuff in here, I said, dear God, I've been doing all this wrong all this time. I'm learning just like you are. Let's learn together so we can help somebody. Would you say amen? Allow that to happen. Allow that to happen. Uh, you know as well as I do, you face this. You've seen this before. And, and you're wondering, dear God, which person is this? Is this Dr. Jacob? No, it's a person that is, say it with me, a person that is grieving. grieving all right? Uh, number, what number? Number seven. Do be willing to reminisce. This one always bothered me too. I was always afraid to talk about things because I didn't want to bring up a memory that might. But they said, do be willing to reminisce. Sometimes we think they, want to, uh, they won't want to hear something about their loved one. But I know from experience that some of the things that brought my wife and I the most comfort after the death of her father were those that, who came up and said, you know what? One time Frank and I were... Or I remember how Frank used to love to let them talk about the loved one. Do be personal, number eight. Do be personal in your remembrances. If you know something nice to say, oh, your mother, like for instance, oh, your mother was so wonderful to me. Your dad's strong faith was such an inspiration to me. Say it. Say it. Number nine. Number nine. Do keep your sense of humor. Say that with me. Say it again. The Bible says a merry heart. Now, but, but what does the next three words say? There's a time and a place for everything. There's a time to be funny and a time not to be funny. You've got to have enough sense to know the difference. Are you all with me? But sometimes, sometimes the greatest medicine, the greatest medicine is laughter. I, I, know, I know when I was uh, uh, at the funeral home with Aaron, and then out there with, with Brother Bobby and different ones, I can say, uh, uh, Brother Ronnie, you're, all this this year, all this year we're facing this year. Brother Ronnie, I, we, <laughs> I'm going to say this. They wasn't here. This, it happened down there. I, uh, I talked. I wanted to, to find out some things about them before I preached a message down in Florida. And I looked at Brother Ronnie's daughter, and, uh, and uh, I talked with her before church. I said, I, I know what. I know what Brother Ronnie's nickname for her was. It was Big Mama. Now, how many of y'all could get away with that? Say, man, you, that's, that's trouble. I said, uh, what was, and we were standing in the foyer of the church, and I said, uh, Rhonda, what was her nickname for him? She says, I can't say it in this building. You know? And, and, and I said that then, and it helped people. What are you saying? A merry heart does good like a medicine. It, it, you just got to... Follow God's leadership in that deal. I like, I like bringing up humor. I like talking about Brother Bobby and things that Brother Bobby would do and, and, and the gunpowder. Dear God, that's funny. I mean, that Miss Carol, would you, would you agree that ministered to people? That meant, don't shoot, it was on you. Amen. Amen. But do you see, we've got to be careful and, and make sure that humor is in a respectful way. Don't be flippant. It needs to be timely. Vance Havner, one of the greatest preachers God ever made. Vance Havner, he, he, he said this. When someone would come up to him after the death of his wife and say, Sorry, you lost your wife. He'd smile and, and say, Well, don't be. After all, something's not lost if you know where its location is. And I know right where to find her. Amen. He had something there to use in that type of way. But let me say this too. And Proverbs, I, 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 I should have left it. I should have left it, but I had a verse from Proverbs, I think it was Proverbs 14, uh, that said laughter covers up anguish. 
In other words, even though somebody is laughing, that don't mean they're not hurting. So we need to remember just because somebody's laughing, that doesn't mean everything's okay. That doesn't mean everything's fine and dandy and, and we can just... Are y'all with me? So, so let's remember that. Don't lose your sense of humor. Then number 10. Number 10. Now this is, this is the number one. This is, the num- this is where we screw up right here. This is where most Christians, most families, most friends, this is where we mess up right here. This is the number one. Read it with me. Remember that the time you are needed most is not... What's that mean? That means during that in- initial period of grief, 550 million people are all sucking from their attention. And that's not when it's devastating. It's devastating when everybody goes home. And we say in the initial grief, in the initial time, in the initial experience, if there's anything we can do, just give us a... But I promise you this, most of the time, and, and if you've been going through this, you would testify with me. Most of the time, the person in the grief, they're not going to. They're not going to. So who needs to? The last thing I always say, the last thing I always say, if it's a funeral, if it's that type of situation, underneath the tent, I, I always quote, I always quote the Second uh, 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 Corinthians. I always quote where it says that God is our comfort and He will comfort us in all our tribulation wherewith we shall comfort others in theirs. And I said, right now is when the family is going to need you. When everybody goes home and everything settles down and reality sits in. Now, oh, you need to be there from the start, but everybody comes immediately. But six to eight weeks or six months later, when everyone else is gone, say it with me. Say it again. I believe, I believe a lot of times that's where we mess up the most. That's where we mess up the most. We got to stay in there because, and, 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 and it's not, let me say this. Brother O'Neill, would you agree with this? It's not that we don't want to. It's not that, it's not that we don't care. And it's not that if they made one phone call, it didn't matter if it was 3 o'clock in the morning, boom, you would be there. It's not that. It wouldn't happen. It's just sometimes we don't take that initial step. Now, I'm going to say this is... How can I say this without being... Sometimes this is the case. Sometimes this is the case. It shouldn't be, but with everything that we have going... How many of y'all know life's hectic? Life is hectic. Isn't it hectic? I mean, it's hectic enough to keep up with what you're doing, with what we're doing, whether it's running the job or running the family or whatever it is. But sometimes, out of sight, and I don't. I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying my best to try to figure out a better way to put that. But sometimes we, as ministers, don't take that initial step because we get so caught up in everything else we're doing. If it's out of, it becomes out of. So we're going to have to make sure we do everything we can later, later, because most of the time, sometimes they do. Sometimes they call. Sometimes they. Can you help me? Or can you be there? They won't do that, but we can. Amen? All right. Church, say amen. All right. Let's go to that last page. Let's go to that last page. Now, trust me. Don't think we're going to get all, all of everything we need tonight. We're, this, is just, this is the tip of the iceberg. We're just starting. Uh, 
but I, I got to start somewhere. Amen. We, we've got to get somewhere and bog down in this. Uh, so we talked about the reasons for grief. We talked about uh, 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 why grief happens and so forth, the recognition of grief. And, 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 and we're talking about the response to grief. We talked just now about the response of the minister, those that are trying to help. Now I want to talk just a few minutes on those that are going through the grief, those that are experiencing the grief. I want you to see B, the response of the mourner. The response of the mourner. What, it, what should be our response? You know what? I was going to be smart. I thought. And I was going to look up the characters in the Bible that went through grief and figure out how they done it. And that's the way we should do it. But the problem was, they all did it differently. And David, he, he mourned in three different situations and did it in three different ways. I got to thinking, Lord, now you're really not making it easy on me, and I don't even like this kind of stuff, but Lord, I know we need help here. How do we, and, and you know what God really showed me? He said, son, everybody is different. Nobody is going to grieve the same way. Nobody's going to experience grief the same way. Nobody is going to respond to grief the same way. Everybody's going to be. That makes it hard. Why? Because we don't always react to what we're going through in the same way. But God has given us some help. Now, number one, the response. Like I said, what did I say? What did I say? This is just the the beginning. Say it with me. This is just the beginning. So we're going to get all kinds of stuff that's going to help us, all right? We're going to keep studying this. We're going to keep reading. We're going to keep finding. We're going to keep doing everything we can. I'm going to bring in people that's gone through things. I'm going to bring in people that's... So, you know what? It makes it a whole lot easier when somebody that's been there says it than when somebody that ain't been there says it. They can say the same thing, and it means more because they, you can't say, well, you don't know how I feel. They can say, I know exactly how you feel. So I'm going to do that. Listen, I promise you this. I've got enough... I've got enough... Uh, uh, security in my area that I, if I don't know something, I can bring in somebody who does. All right? So y'all pray for me on that area. Amen? Uh, number one, number one, the response of the morning. What should our response be to grief, whether it be a divorce, whether it be a death, whether it be uh, a devastating uh, situation to happen, no matter what it is, whatever it is you're facing, no matter what it is you're going through, if you're going to face it in the future, what should our response? Number one, <clears throat> excuse me, I want you to see this. There should be a truth a truth to remember. A truth to remember. Sometimes the hardest part of doing these topical type messages is alliterating. Trying to figure out how to do it, because I, I have to. I have to. It's just, I have to, to help me remember it, and I want you to remember it. And, and, and the way God laid it out, and this is God. I'm telling you, this is God. God has given this, this, this came from Him. I promise you this came from Him. There's a truth we must remember when we're mourning when we're grieving, when we're going through that process, when we're, when we're having that difficult time, there's some, some truths that we need to remember. Uh, a, or number one, however you want to put it, grief is temporary. I didn't make anything up and just throw something down here. I promise you, God gave me this to tell you. Grief is temporary. In every situation that I read in the Bible, Every situation that I read in the Bible, 
word this. That were God's children. Every situation in the Bible that I read where God's children were grieving, every single one of them, the Bible says went through, say that with me, they went through the valley of the shadow of death. That meant they all come out on the other side. Jacob did. Jacob rejoiced again to see his son. David did. David rejoiced uh, uh, with, with Bathsheba again, and Solomon was born, and Solomon was the next king. Every single one of them that mourned and experienced grief, they came through it. But I promise you this. Let me read. Let me read. Go back to your first page. Go back to your first page where it says Genesis 37, 34. Are you there? And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and his daughters rode up, uh, rose up to comfort him. Say it with me. But he... Now watch what he said. Watch what he said. For, read the underlying part. Say it again. You know what he said? I won't never. Get over this. You know what Satan wants you to think? You ain't never going to get over this. I don't want to say over it. I don't want to say it. You never get over. You never get over a loss. I don't want to say it that way. You'll never get through this. But we know he did. Nobody on planet Earth, nobody on planet Earth ever faced what Job faced. Ever. But Job come out of it. There's no way in this world I can even fathom. I, I, I can't even, I can't even, it don't even, it, it don't even register in my mind. But when you finish reading, he came through it. The Bible says, weeping endureth for, now let me say this, let me say this. And y'all do, y'all, y'all, are, y'all are the most loving people and understanding people and y'all know this. This is easy preaching and hard living. It's easy to say, but it's hard to believe. But weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh. I don't think he's talking about overnight. I think he's talking about the point that there's going to be a season, but there will be joy again. The Bible says, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there to everything there is a season. There is a season. It's amazing to me. Seasons, uh, listen, there's not one day of summer. There's not one day of winter. There's not one day of fall. There's not one day of... Are y'all with me? Which one did I miss? Spring. There's not one day of spring. I knew there was four. Amen. There's not one day of that. That we don't. Do you realize? Do you realize that sometimes winters are longer? Sometimes winters are shorter. Sometimes summers are longer. Sometimes summers are hotter. Sometimes summers are cold. We don't have any control. Y'all, no, and, and you really need to get this. We don't have any control over the season we just have to trust that it's going to end David and I, let me I'll get to that I'll get to that first Peter 1 6 wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for season how, 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 how long though now for a season if need ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations difficulties trials he said it's just a season. Now, 
Grief is temporary. Say that with me. Say it again. Now, when you're grieving, it's not going to feel that way. Jacob said, I won't never get over this. I won't never get through this. I'm going to go down to my grave. And that's not a realistic thought, but that's what Satan wanted planted in his mind. I am sure, I am sure, uh, Job faced the same thing. He said, I'm going to die. I want God to kill me. I want God to take me home. I'm never getting through this. But we know they did. Listen, grief is temporary. But then this is the most important one. I talked to Dr. Brown. I talked to Dr. Craig. I talked to Miss Melinda. I talked to some others. And this is one thing they kept saying over and over, and I kept hearing them say, not only is grief temporary, but B, God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. I learned something. I learned something. And please, bear with me on this. When you get through writing, I want you to look up at me. Dear God, I wish more people was here for this. Man. Everybody has the impression, and I did too, everybody has the impression that Job was the one on trial. Because God said, have you considered my servant Job? So everybody thinks, okay, Job was the one being tried. Job was the one being tested. Job was the one being checked out. But Job was not the one on trial. God was on trial. Let me say this. He said, have you considered my servant Job? And this is what Satan says. You're not worthy of worship. You're not worthy. Listen, the only reason he's worshiping you, the only reason he's praising you, the only reason he's following you is because you have blessed him. You have blessed him. You have increased his wealth. You have given him all these things. He said, you take that away and he'll curse thee to thy face. You know what he was saying? He was challenging God's sovereignty. He was challenging God's uh, uh, deserving worship. God is all of a sudden on trial. Would a man, this is what he says, will a man serve God for naught? Is God a, a God who, who will be served if, if a man has nothing? Is a God so worthy that a man would serve without anything? God becomes on trial. In the way Satan operated everything he did, he made it seem like God was the one doing it. He said, the Bible said, the fire of God fell down out of heaven and killed. See, everything Satan did, he made it where God would be blamed. He tried to set up God in the eyes of man. What are you saying? He's doing everything he can to try to get man not to trust God. And even in the middle of Job, Job said, if I find him, i got some questions for him. And then God spoke to Job and said, Job, where was you at when I made them stars? Joe, where was you at when and he began, he, two, two chapters worth, he began to tell all these things. And Job said, Well, I spoke things I did not understand. See, it wasn't about Job. It was about God. Where God is in this world, where are we compared to God? Who's really in control? First thing Satan wants you to do when you're going through your grief 
He wants you to doubt God. Dr. Brown, he said this, and I spoke to him, I spoke to him the night of the funeral, Miss Carol's funeral. Miss Carol Hurt was the, the secretary at Victory. Uh, uh, matter of fact, she sat right over here on the second row, right here, on at the day of our dedication service. Had been there for, tw- how long, Tammy, has she been there? 25 years, maybe? 25, 30 years? Uh, sang like a, like a mockingbird. I mean, just sang like an angel. God touched her whole life. Her whole life. She sang for God. Her whole life. Her entire teetotal, I mean, her whole life. She come to work one day and had a cough. 17 days later, she died. She was eat up with throat cancer, all in her throat, and it spread everywhere else. 17 days. Preachers told me. He was that night. I called him that night. I talked to him that night. Angry. He said, God don't want to talk to me right now. This is what he said. He said, I don't like it. I don't agree with him. But I'm going to have to trust him. Wow. I said, I don't like it a bit. He says, I've got a drunk sits on the front second row that used to be a preacher, beats his wife, is sorry as all get out. Why didn't God take him? I don't agree with him. I don't understand him. I don't like it a bit. But I'm going to have to trust him. Melinda said the same thing. She said, I don't like it. I don't agree with him. Her little boy fell in the pool. Brother Ronnie, she run out. She run out through the, through the living room and at, down the driveway and, and rock gravel fell on her face, screaming bloody murder. She said, I confessed everything I knew to confess. She said, I begged God, I praised God. She said, I even thanked God for going ahead and healing him because I knew, and I knew God was going to restore him. Yet God took him home. I don't understand him. She said, but I trust him. Let me read read Job. Job, in the midst of all this, even, even this is, this is 13. This is Job 13. Through Job, Job 3, Job 6, Job 7, Job 7. And all these, he's saying, what's going on? I want to die. I don't even care about living. I want God to take me. But in the middle of all that, this is what he says. Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, though he slay me, yet will I... Then he says this, verse 19, Job 19, 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day on this earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Listen, Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not on thine own understanding. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, and so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
Job says, though he slay me, I'm going to trust in him. You know, it's okay to tell God you don't agree with him. It's okay. It's okay to question him. My God, my God, why say it? Who said that? Lord, I know you can do anything. I know you can do anything. I know you can take this cup from me. I know all things are possible with you. And if it be your will, please take this cup from me. But what did he say? Not, but. You know what he was saying? I'm going to have to trust you. Man, that's hard. It's hard. That's the hard part. But when we're in mourning, there's a truth we must remember. And then there's a... Listen, grief is temporary. and God is trustworthy. But then number two, number two. What was number one? Come on, y'all, get with me. I'm almost through. Say it again. When we're grieving, there's a truth to remember. That grief is temporary. And God is trustworthy. And let me say this too. <laughs> He's, he's trustworthy even if you don't feel like he's trustworthy. I'm glad his trustworthiness is not dependent on my feelings. That man said, Jesus said, if you believe it shall be done for you, what a slick answer this guy had. Lord, I believe. What did he say? Listen to me. I believe, but say it. How many of y'all can relate to that fella? Number two. What was number one? Then number two, there's a temptation to reject. A temptation to reject. Temptation to do what? A. Assign responsibility. I use that for alliteration purposes. Say it with me, Brother Chris. Let me read a verse. This, this, is, this, this is the number one human nature in this situation. In Job 1, after all this happened, after everything happened, his, his net worth was $1.7 million dollars. Now, that's, that's a lot of money in that day. All that's gone. All ten children are gone. All this, everything is gone. And I didn't realize this, but as I studied through Job today, in the middle part of Job, Job said when he walked into town, everybody. He said, I was the type of man, I had the type of respect and, and, and the type of reputation that the young men would hide and the old men would stop what they were doing. I mean, he was a man who had, he was, when, in other words, when he spoke, everybody listened. He said, I had a place of respect and a place of reverence, a place of that and authority, and it was all gone all at one time. The Bible says, in verse 20, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. 
and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's not the, that's not the thing I want you to get. In all this, Job, nor... That's assigning blame. When something happens to us, when there's an automobile accident, when there's a situation, we always, the first thing we want to do, well, who done it? Who, say it again. Whose fault is it? Because that brings us to the second one. If we are able to assign blame, then we can do this. B, we can... If we can find out who's responsible, if we can figure out who caused this situation, then that gives us the ability to go in and... What does it say? I mean, I know it's frustrating when there's nobody to blame. Let me tell you what's frustrating. To be one of the owners of those million dollar houses that burn up in that fire and find out it was a little bitty twerk that started that fire and nothing can be done about it. Millions and millions and millions of dollars lost and nothing can be done about it. But then it, you stand here and you watch a situation where you're destroyed. And it seems like your life is turned upside down. And all you can think of is, why did God let this happen to me? Why did God let this happen to me? He said, I'm not going to charge God foolishly. And you know, that was the very thing Satan was trying to get him to do. He let everything happen so it seemed like God was picking on him. I read a verse, and y'all know it. There hath, now, now watch this, there hath no temptation. Say that with me. There hath no taken you. Now, and, and we use the word, and, and, and you need to, it, it, it's used, applied in that verse, but you can, you can use this illustration or an application uh, as far as temptations for sin, that type of thing. But you also, you take that word, and it can also be used as difficulty or trial. There hath no temptation or trial taken you, but such as is common to... What's that mean? It means this. What, did, what, was, what was Elijah's biggest deal when he was chased out by his wife? Or excuse me, by Ahab's wife, Jezebel. What was the biggest complaint that he had to God when he got in that cave? I'm the only one serving you. I'm the only one. They're all... They're all and you know, and he just had revival, and they all turned back to God. But what did God tell him? Hey, I've got, I've got many. I don't remember the exact number. I wish I... 7,000 who have not bowed down their knee to Baal. And in our midst of grief, the very thing the devil wants you to get is to get into that place where you think you're the only one that's ever gone through what you're going through. Do y'all know what happened when, when, when Jesus... You know what happened when Jesus found out about John? John was the one that baptized him. John was his cousin. 
John was a dear friend of the Lord's. And when he found out, the Bible said he went off by himself to get alone. You know why I believe? Because he wanted to grieve. The Bible says we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But with an all, all points tempted as we are. But not just that. Whatever you faced, whatever grief you're experiencing, thousands of other human beings have faced the same thing. You say, why would you say that? This is why God put this in my heart. Because God wants you to know He's not picking on you. That's not what Satan wants you to know. That's what he wants you to think. But this is common to me. What you're going through, others have faced it. And if God has brought them others out, He's going to bring you out. Very important. It's very important. Because we want to blame him. We want to say, nobody's going to, nobody understands. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Let's not attempt revenge. You say, well, how can I attempt revenge on God? You'll quit coming to church. Bless God, I'll get him. I'll get him. I ain't going to read my Bible no more. I ain't going to church no more. What did he ever do for me? See there? And, and I'm, I'm trying to use this. I'm trying to be as tender as I can, but be as realistic as I can. Because I've done, heard this a million times. What should I, why should I do that? He didn't do nothing for me. You see what I'm saying? You know what that is? That's attempting revenge. Okay, I'm going to get him back because I'm going to do what he don't want me to do. How did a lot of teenagers, how did they attempt revenge on their parents? Just do what they want, don't want them to do. They can't wring their neck. They can't put them in jail. They can't get physically back at them. So what does a parent, what does a kid do? A kid will do what they can in revenge by doing what that parent don't want them to do. And we think we're going to get over on God and feel better about ourselves. Y'all with me? Now some of y'all know this because you've experienced this and you've done this. And I have too in some sort of way, some worse than others. But I guarantee this, every time I try that, I always end up the one hurt the most. Don't attempt revenge. Don't try to assign blame. Some things we're not going to figure out till we get to heaven. We just ain't. We just got to trust Him. So what Preacher Brown, he says, and I can't tell you some of the things he said, but he's pretty blunt about some things. And he said, he said, I still ain't over this. I don't know why. He said, but I've got to go on. I've got to believe him. I've got to trust him. Even though I don't like it, even though I'm angry about it, I've got to trust him. Because he knows what's best. Now, let me say this. Remember what I said? Easy, easy, but hard. But I'm glad Paul said, I can do through Christ which strengthens me. Now listen, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect out of this tonight. And I don't know what you're thinking right now. I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to do my best to meet a need. Uh, we face this in three or four Miss Carol, how many, 
How many deaths have we experienced in your family this year and last year? Just in the last five, seven, seven. Some devastating, and y'all know it, y'all been here. In different families, all from that end of the building all the way to that end of the building. Look, let's encourage one another. Let's do what we can. And, and let's, let's be careful to have mercy on one another when we don't do it right. On them ten do's and don'ts, I messed up just about all of them. But you know what we do from failure? You know what failure is? You remember what I told you failure was? It's an opportunity to start over more intelligently. Amen? Now here's what I want to do. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. And all those that will, all those that will,